Warning. Missing save form. Hey, it's Bernsey. And I'm Paul. And this is The Missing Save File, a video game podcast where we talk about the games we somehow missed the first time around. Today we're going to be talking about uh, The Messenger. And I, I I have a message. <laughs> is it from the future or the past? I don't it, know it, anymore. Hang on, let me listen to the soundtrack and see how much... Hey, could we mix this in 8-bit? Uh, <laughs> if we did, I clicked the wrong button. Hang on, <laughs> let me check. <laughs> What if Ninja Gaiden met another very prominent type of game? We'll get to that later. Placed its tongue squarely in its cheek for the entirety of its story, was more than 20 hours long, and ran on two different retro-era consoles at the same time. Well, you'd get a game that was very much like 2018's The Messenger, a game that is constantly hiding one more trick up its sleeve. You play the role of the iconic messenger tasked with bringing the scroll to the top of the tallest mountain to save mankind from... Barmathazel or something? Uh, the story isn't all that important, though it is very funny. But what is important is that if you grew up on the original Nintendo Entertainment System, the SNES, or the Sega Genesis, or just wish that you did, the messenger is a delight from start to finish. And so Paul and I will break out our ninja moves and deliver hope to humanity at the end of the darkest timeline as we discuss the messenger on this edition of the Missing Save File. And yeah, what a game, Paul. Like this is, uh, I, I did not... I didn't know what to expect from this pretty much at all. And and I, I know we say this quite a bit, but like zero expectations is kind of the way to go in with uh, with this game, I think, because if you just let it surprise you, man, it sure will. It's full of surprises. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we have. Um, yeah. We, another friend who has also played this that um, throughout the whole time, it was just sending me messages about like, oh, do you think he's going to think he beat the game? Do you think he's going to think he beat the game again? Um, because, and and you did several times think you beat the game, right? Um, only to uncover that you were maybe a third of the way in or half of the way in or the uh, initial reveal is the one that just sort of blew the top off of my head because it does a very good job of setting up the, like, you know, you go to this place, then you go to this place, then you go to like, it it presented a very satisfying arc before the first big quote unquote reveal. That I was like, cool, we did it. All right, high fives, everybody. <laughs> so let's pack it in. Let's go home. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think that's one of the, the the fun things about it is like through the beginning of it, right? You start and you're in a village and it gets attacked by a demon king, and then they're like, somebody shows up and is like, you have to take this thing across the land. It's like, yeah, this is Ninja Guy, all right? Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I have to go right. I have to go to the right of the screen and fight things when they show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes if I climb up a screen, I might have to go left for a little bit. <laughs> right. right? Um, but the, but that's a game, right? We played that game. Yeah. 
And, and, it, and it, a lot it, of those games are game very, like, yeah, a lot of those games are very chic right now. And this game presents itself in such sure. a way that like, <clears throat> I am this retro throwback that is inspired by this heavily, but it's like, an, like it's new enough where that would be a satisfying experience on its own. And I feel like that's kind of what sells it the most is that if it were just that game, I still think I would have had a good time with it, you know, right? Yeah. And I think, right, it's like five-ish, six-ish hour, hours, maybe, right? Yeah. To, to, and then you beat that game. And and like you said, if that had been the game, like, I, this would still be a fun game. Yeah. Um, Especially at the price point. I don't, I like, I don't think this is a very expensive game. I mean, I played it on Game Pass. I know you played it on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's, like, pricey. So, certainly at you know, at like for an indie game like this, that could have been the game. Um, and then it reveals it has, you know, Gradius and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was also another big reveal. Yeah. But I mean, and again, just, you know, full on spoilers. We're going to we're going to be talking about the, the spoilers for this game. So if you don't care about spoilers, press on forward. If you haven't played but want to avoid being spoiled, go play this game. Uh, then come back and, and join us for the rest of the conversation because um, you know what what a what a fun time this is, particularly yeah. if you have Game Pass. Um, but that- yeah, I'll say you know because I played this one, I don't know, uh, sometime last year I think, um, because it was on Game Pass and I was like, oh, this looks fun, um, and played it and was like, wow, this is really fun and and almost hundred percent of it I think in achievements. There's there's one or two that are like, oh, these are hard. Maybe I'll come back to it someday. Yeah. Um, but then I've watched other streamers play this too. Like it, it shows up in the, like people who play retro games, this shows up pretty frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just so much fun to watch. Like it's one of those that like just watching it through over and over again, it's fun every time because of all the surprises in it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And like you said, for, if you have game pass, it's free. So yes, kind of hard to fight against that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and so you basically you get to the end of what would be the like the satisfying arc for this game, basically w- making itself out to be a modern Ninja Gaiden. You beat the boss and then <laughs> a bunch of stuff happens, like basically like <laughs> the blue road yeah. dudes who uh, who have been the shopkeeper slash your help um, slash trainers the whole time. Um you know, basically they're like, well, this has never happened before. This is weird um, because you were supposed to pass the message off to the new messenger uh, and that messenger just dies. Like messenger. Well, you were supposed to, yeah, you were supposed to send Corbel to save him at mm-hmm. the right time, mm-hmm. which you didn't do. And then he dies. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Corbel is this little demon entity who's been rescuing you every time you die. And so that's your, your kind of like supernatural connection is that, you know, you, I love when games gamify the idea that you can die over and over and over again within the video game fiction. Yeah. Um, just because it's, it's just kind of a fun little nod because it's one of those things that we just accept as video gamers is that somehow we have the power to return from death. Uh, and usually it's just never touched on, but every once in a while, a game finds a clever way to work it into its fiction. And I always love those little, you know, subtle nods, but yeah, the, the hook for this one is you never passed that ability on to the next person who assumed the mantle. So they just stayed dead. They're just, they're just dead now. (laughs) So, um, you kick off then this game transforming into something else entirely. And essentially it's, it's that and then they're like oh did you ever read the map and you're like um i have a map and um 
like, yeah, we gave you a piece of paper, dog. Like you didn't open it and take a look at it. Uh, and then it's like, surprise, I'm a Metroidvania. And that reveal was the one where I think I just like, I absolutely fell in love with this game. Like that was, that was the point where I was like, because I'd even seen out there on the internet, like that could have potentially been spoiler E for me because I'd seen like, Oh, you know, this game is classified as a Metroidvania. And the whole time I'm going through and I'm like, I guess kind of, I'm like, it doesn't really seem very Metroidvania E. Are they talking about like the upgrades I can buy from the shop? Like, okay, I suppose. Yeah, I think, I think even when I sold it last time, I probably pitched it as a Metroidvania. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And so then, you know, the whole time that's kind of like, it's in the background of my head. And it's one of those where it was like, you know, even when you go into something and you know, you're going to be talking about it a little bit more critically, I think that was just sitting there and, and, you know, there was a checkbox next to it that was just like, could have been more Metroidvania E. And then like, it sort of lifts the curtain and it's like, Oh yeah. Like, here you go, man. Would you like the Metroidvanias <laughs> on your Metroidvania? <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Uh, I'm in. And so from that point forward, um, the game gets much more, you know, structured like a Metroidvania. The, the map is un- unveiled. You have ways to teleport across the map. There's n- new areas to explore. Um, and it also unveils this whole um, time switching mechanic because up, until this point, you started in the past, you teleported into the future. And, and when that happened, I just assumed I was like, oh, cool. It's a neat palette swap that they just did for the conclusion of the game, right? Where it's like, we start out very NES inspired, 8-bit palette kind of thing, plus tunes. Um, and then we go to a 16-bit style. I was like, okay, that's neat. But then, you know, once the game really gets going, you're constantly switching between those two styles. And, and what amazes me is like, the detail between the 8-bit crafted version of the game, the 16-bit crafted version of the game, not only visually, but also audio-wise, all of the sound effects, all of the soundtrack, literally every track in this game um, was made twice because one is made to emulate the chipset that's on an 8-bit console and one is made to emulate the chipset that's on a 16-bit console. Like the absolute attention to detail for that retro stuff may totally fly past somebody who didn't spend time growing up um, playing oh, those yeah, consoles. Yeah. But like for the people who did, it's like, it's such a treat. And I just, I oh, can't yeah, believe yeah. they did that. Like, it's just, well, incredible. it's definitely, especially in all those games, right? Like there were so many games where you would play one on Nintendo and then they'd come out with a sequel on Super Nintendo, right? Contra is a great example of the same difference, but in two games. Right. And so We've experienced this, like, I guess people who played, you know, Nintendo and Super Nintendo and Genesis and all that. Mm-hmm. We've done this our whole lives without realizing it. Uh, and it's just so fun to have a single game, like you said, just jam it all into one game and say, yeah, of course we can make a, of course we can make a modern game look like anything we want from the past. Right. Obviously. Um, yeah. And, and it, it feels like. You know, it's it's simple enough that you could have done this on like a Super Nintendo. You could have been like, oh, it's a Super Nintendo game, but sometimes it looks like a Nintendo game. But I mean, maybe this is the amount of time it took for us to get to a point where that's acceptable. I don't know. Yeah. Well, idea. yeah, it's it's just I I don't know. Like I, I this is such a lovingly crafted game that I think it's, um, you know, it's a prime example of like the quality that goes into a production like this, you know, people playing it may not be able to quantify all of the different pieces of care that went into it. But like, as you're playing it, you can't help but feel it. 
right? Like when something oh, yeah, is put yeah. together with this amount of detail, um, it, it really, really, you know, it just kind of shows through the entire product and it makes it such a good experience. And, and the other thing that, that I was thinking about is, you know, while playing games like this and like Shovel Knight um, and a lot of like the retro inspired, <clears throat> you know, modern games is that these games look, play and feel the way that like a lot of retro games in your head sort of look play oh, and sure, feel, right? sure sure like it's yeah. and, and there are ways to play retro games um on modern hardware and i highly recommend it if you really love modern games i i happen to have um a super nt by analog uh which is i still think one of the best ways to play super nintendo games on modern screens because it does all the upscaling for you but it emulates all the original hardware but that's not really super accessible to like a lot of people. It's a it's a boutique console maker and it's a it's a boutique solution. And a lot of people have tried the, oh, can I just hook up my SNES to my HDTV? And man, it stinks. Like it's just not great. And so um these games are really like capturing the feel of what it was like and and what those games looked and felt like at the time but with a modern presentation and it's, it's, it's the closest I think you can ever get to like being able to go home again, you know, is like playing games like this um, without spending a lot on, you know, hardware to, to recapture that experience. Um, yeah. I think you make a good point too, that it's kind of how you remember it. Uh, even in so far as it's how you remember it nostalgically and not how it actually was that. Yeah, um, precisely. If you go back and try to play something like Ninja Gaiden, like, it's a hard game. Yeah, much harder right? than this. Much harder. And uh, yeah, much harder. Um, and part of that is game mechanics, right? That like it's just unforgiving. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of those retro games that I, I think you know the game designers probably tried to make them hard because the harder the game was, the more time it would take a kid to play it, right? And that was that was all it was, right? There was no replay other than making it hard. Yep. Um, but the idea of like the fact that they're hard just because like jumping is hard or when, or when you get hit, like the, you don't get iframes or like your iframes bump you back in weird ways or jumps are hard or you don't always like it'll eat inputs, you know, all, all those things happen back in those, those days. And so to have a modern take on that, that is polished and doesn't have all those, those sorts of um, problems is refreshing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. If I did a game like this in the eighties or nineties, frankly, it would have been like, wow, this is the best game I've ever played ever period um. <laughs> yeah well, well and it's um what what amazes me is like um <clears throat> one of the things that i did um after i beat this game just because i kind of like needed to is i went back and i fired up the original super metroid um oh nice. and, and i played again and like what occurred to me while playing this game um the messenger and then playing it against like super metroid is just how far ahead of its time Super Metroid was. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, like, because this game, like, the, the DNA of, like, Super Metroid is grafted all over this experience. And, like, and there, I will still say there are probably certain things that Super Metroid does better than even this game. Oh, sure. Um, in yeah, terms of, uh, like, exploring yeah. the map and, and the way yeah. that you, like, find secrets and reveal stuff. And it's just, um, it's, it's, I think the reason that like Super Metroid is sort of this thing that people still like remember as this tectonic shift in video games is because, 
you know, Super Metroid was probably one of the first games that came along that had a difficulty curve like the messenger that was like, it's challenging and it will push against you, but it doesn't have to be Nintendo hard to artificially inflate the time that it takes to get yeah. through the game. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and that's and the gameplay is fair, right? Yes. I, I think there's very few things. Um, yeah, I think there's very few things, if anything, I could think of that I would ever change about Super Metroid. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, it's a clean game. It's very, very well programmed, obviously. Yeah, it'll but, it'll push you in a lot of ways, but it will never make you feel like, oh, that's turbo cheap, you know, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. and, I, and I feel that way a lot about The Messenger, too. If if anything, I feel like The Messenger, one critique that I would have for for the game is that um and maybe I'm just getting better at these style of games because, you know, I've, I've not been playing, um, you know, these kind of games for as long as, as some other folks might have. Cause I've, I've talked a lot about like my, my experience with, you know, growing up with games and stuff like that. But like, I felt like maybe the boss encounters could have been just a touch more challenging. Um, I, I, I almost one shot several of them, uh, my first time through and did one shot a few of them just, you know, by just kind of goofing around. Um, and I don't know how I would have made those more challenging, but it felt like maybe a couple of those, particularly at the end, could have been a little bit more dangerous. Um, but that's like a very like they're not easy. Um, it's just they're they're yeah, not. I think turbo. I will say, in watching you play it, there were definitely a lot of places where it was just like, wow, he really just like nailed that, or 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 got lucky in some situations. But um, it was definitely clear that you had been playing games like this for a very long time um, <laughs> that I, I think these bosses are they're not they're not you know again they're not nintendo hard um but they're difficult yeah um, and I, I think the fact that um the fact that you were able to to kind of make short work of a lot of them um kind of spoke to how well you just got into this space um and, and figured out the controls and all the the movement tech and all that sort of stuff because they throw a lot at you um, in terms of all that. Um, and there were a few places, there were a few rooms, right. That I remembered as, you know, these rooms that I spent a lot of time in. It's like, Oh yeah, you have to perfect the movement tech. You have to remember what to do and yep. press all these different buttons at the same time while dodging all this stuff. And, yep. you know, then it takes a few tries and then you get it. And it's like, okay, you're better at doing this now. Yeah. So um, I, I'd agree that it's not, it's not the most difficult game to be sure. Um, but yeah, I'd also probably say that they're probably not trying to make it the most difficult game ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and it's a tricky criticism too, because somebody else might might easily come away from that and just be like, "Oh my god, this is so hard. Why don't they tune it down? Turn it down a little bit?" You know, I mean, difficulty well, is just such a a difficult I, I conversation if, to have anyway. I think if if one of us hadn't played Super Metroid and we picked it up, I think we'd probably make fairly short work of it. Yeah. Um, not to say it would be easy, but I think it would be on this scale of, you know, we, we'd fight bosses and say, oh, I get it. I get how to do it. Yep. Um, that, yeah, I, I think if we were children right now picking up this game, we'd probably think it was as hard as we thought Metroid was back in the day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I, I will say there's also a lot of this just um, a lot of the fun I had in this game is a lot of this just side stuff, the, the window dressing, essentially, um, especially with the shopkeeper and the blue robes and just all this, um, all these situations. Um, I, and I felt like you didn't interact with the shopkeeper nearly enough. Um, there were so many times that um, 
like every every save portal that came up, I went in and talked to the shopkeeper or looked around the shop or did all these sorts of things. Um, and there's a lot there. There's a lot that they programmed into the sides of this game that um, that you can make it through completely bypassing, right? It's not gameplay centric. It's not stuff that is like, oh yeah, here's an item. Because um, you filled out the item tree. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's all this just extra text and extra stories. And um, yeah, yeah, you didn't find the money sink, right? No, there's a money sink. <laughs> so I, I was I was looking this up because I was like, I know um, there was something I was forgetting when you, you were playing through. So after you unlock all the upgrades in the tree, I think you, were, you said something like, well, what do I use these time charts for again? And I was like, man, I remember there's something and I couldn't remember what. <laughs> And I looked, I was looking through the achievements and it was like, unclog the money sink. And I was like, oh, the money sink. <laughs> um, and in the shopkeeper shop, I, I think after you got the last um, uh, unlockable, you, you more or less just stopped going to the shopkeeper. Pretty um, much. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm done here. I've, I've completed the tree. I don't need to talk to this guy. There is, there was something in his shop that um, after you unlock the last upgrade, the next time you come back to the shop, like one of these things that was just decorations just turns into a sink. Um, okay. And he like, he has some dialogue. If you ask him about it, he's like, oh yeah, I had, that's always been there or something, or that's been installed. I don't know what he says, but something along those lines, you know, it's something witty. Um, and then complains that it's clogged and then says, oh, you're, why don't you go get the money wrench from the, um, I forget, one of the other two blue robes. And then that's over in his shop. And um, he says, like, it's his favorite tool and you could buy it from him for. And then the the variable encoded in the game is the price of the wrench is however many time shards you have at that moment. So if it's one, it costs one. If it's 10 million, it costs 10 million. Oh. <laughs> and it's an achievement, obviously. Um, but you have to pay all your money to the, the, one of these blue robes to get the money wrench to take it back and unclog the money sink. And then the shopkeeper has this, you know, text about, yeah, we didn't know what else to do with your time charts either. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Well, and part of that is, um, you know, I think, I think the game, like the, the way that it worked on my brain was that like, um, I did sort of get into Ninja Gaiden mode with it where I would just like, and, and this is a compliment to the way the game feels to play. Like it is just so satisfying to move around the map. Like the, the way that the ninja rope works, the way that you can sword swipe and then bounce off of stuff. Like it it just, I got to the point where I was like, I just want to keep cruising, man. Like I just want to keep going. I I, I will say that in your mind, it still seems like you think the ninja rope is like three quarters of the screen long. Yeah. I really Um, had a problem with that. Like (laughs) I, I would either forget to use the ninja rope in pretty key areas, or I would just go to it when it was, yeah, I was like, you'd be like, Oh, I need to, yeah, I need to. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to have a way. (laughs) (laughs) And then this rope comes out. That's like, you know, six feet or something. Yeah. Like, Oh no, I missed. <laughs> and it happened so much to me where I was just like, ha, ah, you know, and like, Oh no, I don't have that. Yeah, much I mean, the joke was screen and a half, but you were missing like by more than double distance <laughs> enough, enough that it was, uh, you know, worth pointing out. I thought I had like at least 1.5 more ninja ropes, uh, yeah, yeah. T- tied yeah. together basically. Yeah. It, yeah. um, it was, it, it happened. Yeah. And it, um, I don't know. It was just, it was such a, it was such a good time. And like, I, I don't know the, what's, what I like about the game is that I could just sort of, 
you could sort of be like water, right? You could just sort of get into that moment and flow and just kind of like see where it carried you. And like, uh, you know, part of this felt like a critique, but also part of this feels like a deliberate choice that it's hard to critique. Like I almost wanted more exploration elements, but I also liked how you could just kind of like be Zen and just follow the path that you haven't gone down and just kind of see where it takes you. And that's where a lot of the exploration like that I did, um, you know, kind of took me. It was like, oh, down this path, there's a bunch of stuff that I haven't seen. Oh, at the end, there's, there's, you know, the, well, one of the coins or there's one of the collectibles. Yeah, you did find a lot of the stuff just sort of organically mm-hmm. um, to that point, like the water temple and... um the the what the turquoise river turquoise um yep and a lot of the coins you didn't get all the coins um yeah i think i'm like 10 short or something like that um it gets you another um another weapon but it's not obviously game central it's not gonna it's a good weapon but um it's not central to the game and it's not game breaking either so sure well and Um, that's that's one of those things too that like you know again we keep talking about like if the game had been this still would have been satisfied, right? Like if the game would have been like six to eight hours long and just a, a an homage to Ninja Gaiden would have been still pretty cool. I don't think I would have been like as complimentary of it. I'd have been like, oh, that was neat, you know, but but I think all of this extra stuff that's in here because there's a new game plus mode, there's all those coins to unlock, there's like the money sink, there's, there's all these little pieces that you can still go back and find. Like this is a game that I think I am absolutely going to spend time in the achievements list and just kind of keep on trucking with it yeah i think one of the only ones i didn't get that i didn't mean to go back is i think there's one where um if i remember right boy i could just pull out the list but if i remember right it's like um don't meet corbel until after the um uh the quilstrom marsh boss the the other messenger that you save later um until after that fight so like basically get to that point without dying yeah okay um that's that's almost certainly the hardest achievement i think so um, and I, yeah, I think I had just beaten the game. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to go back and do that one right now, but, um, you know, at some point I probably will. Yeah. We should also say you were pointing out at the beginning that there's a, um, DLC for this now too. Yeah. Um, so in looking at stuff, um, I basically stumbled upon there, there's like, a whole other boss list. And I was like, wait, what is this? And apparently there's a, there's DLC called picnic panic. <laughs> yeah. It's news to me. So um, that probably is a good reason for me to go back and play this. So, yeah. So um, there's, there's DLC for it. There's, and, and again, you know, I, it feels like at this point we're in, in the pocket of Microsoft talking about game pass, but it is on game pass. And so um, I've, I've had so many conversations with folks lately about like, you know, just as a quick aside and why we keep talking about Game Pass, it is one of these things where the it, it's such a good deal that it's like hard to believe that it still exists because in the oh, yeah, time yeah. since we've yeah. launched this podcast, like Microsoft has acquired like a bunch more studios. So they've added more games onto Game Pass and like all of EA Play is on there now, uh, at least on the console side. I think it's coming to the PC side pretty soon. So there's just an incredible amount of uh, amount of stuff um on there so um if you do happen to have game pass just install it and try it because yeah the messenger is just really really good um there's just a lot of stuff um you know it's it's i think i played it for 20 hours i could have easily probably played it for 10 more if i wanted to um and i'll probably go back and do more playthroughs you gotta unclog that money sink i do (laughs) 
<laughs> to unclog that money. Um, the, speaking of, you know, we were talking about the bosses and stuff too. I, I do want to point out that in this game, even though there's a couple of times where I was like, oh, maybe they could have been more challenging. I do want to say that the boss design in this game oh, yeah. is really varied and really interesting. Like all of the right. encounters do something a little bit different and it's just really neat to, to watch them play with, with mechanics. Like it's, it's really cool to see them show off the movement set and the ability set that this game has um, by the way that they design their boss encounters. Well, I think the other thing that I absolutely loved about the bosses is how they fit into the storyline. Um, because there aren't any bosses, I, I guess with maybe the exception of the demon King and the, what was it? The, demon prince i guess but other than the two main like demons in the game um all of the rest of the bosses are um kind of become your friends or like there's the emerald golem is one of the first bosses yeah uh and he, at the end he's like wait why did you do that man like why did you destroy my golem <laughs> um, <laughs> and you have a conversation about like oh i th- i guess we just both assumed we were fighting or something like mm-hmm. Um, and you save the, uh, was it the queen of quills? Is that who I'm thinking of? Queen of and, quills. Yep. Who become um, who, who is actually another messenger. Yep. Who then helps you save, um, the sky dragon later. Yep. But the sky, sky dragon is your friend Manfred. Um, you fight him first and you fight, um, the, um, the blue robes when they do the thing. Yeah. You, you we're going to do, do the thing. Um, who am I forgetting? Ruxin? Did I already say Ruxin? Ruxin is great. Yeah, Ruxin's uh, in there. Um, also, the butterfly matriarch. Butter, uh, yeah, the butterfly. The moth. Yeah. So uh, I love that all these bosses are more complex than just like, oh, you're punching this thing because it's on the screen. Mm-hmm. And then it's gone because it was an enemy. Um, you know, there aren't many enemies in the game. Any Many enemy types, right? Um, it's a pretty standard sprite set, right? Like, when you really sit down and think about it, there's not much variability in the enemies outside of the bosses, but the way that it plays and, and like you said, how smooth it is to play it, I think really um, helps make it feel a lot more complex than it, you know, might, might be on paper. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's a, it's a prime example of like um, a lot of, a lot of games that I play for the story. Um, and this game, like, is completely the opposite that like the story is fun and interesting and satisfying, but like, it this in this game the it knows the place of the story right and and the place is not to have like the super deep compelling plot although by the end it is maybe a little, even a little bit more satisfactory than i thought it would be you didn't talk to the shopkeeper enough <laughs> clearly <laughs> clearly although you pointed out one of the first interactions he says like you know you don't need to be here like go out and just do stuff or whatever but yeah, he basically uh, makes that nod to like, dude, I know why you're here. You know why you're here. Just get out there and just go. Step if you keep stuff. pressing him, right? Like he has that cabinet and uh, you could keep pressing him like, what's in the cabinet? What's in the cabinet? Yeah. Like a child. Um, and there's two times you could do that, I think. Like, because the other time when you get to the, when you, he's not in the shop, but he keeps poking his head back in the portal. You could do that again. Um, and there's just so many places like that where Again, they they spent a lot of time writing out just pages and pages and pages of dialogue between these characters that um, that I mean to be fair is not at all in a real the plot, but is a fun thing. Like if you're just there to read some text, there's text here. You could find it. Yeah, and how, 
And and I real quick the um the one thing that I want to just completely shout out um and, and I think we've we've made mention of it but like uh Rainbow Dragon Eyes is the name of the the artist that uh put together the this soundtrack and like there are so many tracks in this game like oh, so yeah. many tracks oh, yeah. and because there are two art sets there are two music sets so every version has an 8 bit and a 16 bit version and it's like just like go listen to the like if you're if you're ever considering playing this game, you know, I mean, and, and you're still listening and didn't care about spoilers. I would say even with the spoilers here, like spoilers are not really going to ruin the game either. So if you're if you're still on the fence about playing it, you know, just go play it because like listen to this soundtrack. Um, the soundtrack alone probably would have sold me on this game. Like had I just listened to some of the bops, you oh, know, yeah. that are that are in this game. No, I, like, I, oh, yeah. I mean, I pointed out that there is a vinyl for this, but it was a limited edition and it sold out and I could not be sadder about that. I still want <laughs> yeah. this soundtrack on vinyl. Um, <laughs> yep. So bummed about that. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a great soundtrack. Yes. Just so many good tracks. So it, many good tracks. It's up there with with some of the greatest. And, and like, again, it's just, you know, I mean, I, I kind of hate the phrase like, oh, it's a love letter to this. blah blah blah. But like you can feel the love of of like. Yeah, 100%. just saturated in this game uh, of of just that era of video gaming. And, it, and it's a real, I think it's a real testament to like, you know, how solid those mechanics can be that in, you know, in a year, you know, we're recording this right after we've rolled past 2020 into 2021. But like, you know, this far removed from the original NES, the SNES, the Genesis, um, you know, that a game in this style, you know, it didn't, it, this can run on just about anything. Um, yeah, yeah. and yet it's one and of think, the most satisfying it's experiences. Of, it's a lot of systems that it's on. So yeah, exactly. I so, was just looking up too. I guess the DLC was free. So ooh, nice. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's available or maybe, Oh, that's why I haven't played it. So it looks like it released first on switch PS4 and steam. So it might not have come on Xbox yet. Okay. Question mark. Question. Well, I'm I'm considering buying a Switch version of it too because this one does feel like uh, being able to pick up and go uh, oh, yeah, and, and yeah. play it would be would be pretty fun. So I I don't know, but like yeah, I, I still want to finish my achievement list. So that's probably the next thing. But I, I don't think I'm going to be putting this one down. I think there's more stuff that I want to do after I've beaten the game, quote unquote. And and also special shout out to like the way the achievements are integrated in this game too. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> because they're, they're just like, I believe the last achievement that I got was like the, the fake ending was better. Yep. Um, yep. And, and like, it's just even that like feels like such a well-crafted experience where it's like, you know, I thought that I was gearing up for this big final boss fight, you know, after the final boss fight. And it's really just kind of like an interactive cutscene, you know, really. Um, and so then I was kind of like Joe, I was kind of laughing about that. Cause I was like, Oh, okay. Ha ha. Kind of well done. And then like the achievement pops up and it's like the fake ending was better. And I was like, Oh man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's definitely a game that it doesn't take itself seriously. I say, but at the same time it takes itself very seriously. Um, and it threads that needle somehow. Yeah. I think I think this game, <clears throat> the reason why this game resonated so much with me is like it, it's it's also my personality type to like try to never take myself too seriously. But like if I'm doing a job, try to take that seriously. And like that feels like what went into this game, right? Like every decision yeah, they made, yeah, they, they committed and they went for it, but they never took the overall thing too seriously, which is like we're here to kind of goof like and have fun, you know, right? But like. But then you look at the level of 
detail that they put into, you know, all of the sprites, all of the art styles, the two different tile sets, the, the music, the sound effects, the like, you know, they took all of that super seriously. They just didn't take the whole project seriously. And what you get is just this this thing that makes you grin from the moment you start playing it to basically the moment you put it down. And it's it's just a really great time. Like it's just it 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 it's the kind of joy that um you know a kid feels in the morning when they wake up before their parents and they fire up the TV and the console and they're like, well, I got a few minutes that I can crack away at some Ninja Gaiden. Let's go. Um, Boy, what, uh, it makes me think, you know, there's going to be kids who play this for the first time and never play Ninja Gaiden or any of these, these earlier ones and then go on in, what would that be? 30 ish years to uh, make other video games that are uh, homage to this game. I wonder what that game will look like, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> you have, you have raised an interesting point that really it's just sort of like this inception effect, like all the way down. Um, I don't know what it will look like, but I definitely want to play it. Um, yeah, I do too. So yeah, this was a good one. Thanks for the recommend, Paul. Um, I think that's what I've got. Do you have anything more before we wrap? Uh, yeah, it's a good game. It is. Yeah. Glad you enjoyed it. Cause yeah, I mean, it's a fun one. It's, it's just great. Yeah. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the game that we are selecting for the next edition of the podcast. I believe it's my turn to pick, and I think mm-hmm. I've got it all figured out. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is The Missing Save File. This is the missing save file, and as is traditional on the show, before we completely wrap the podcast, as we, is tradition, as is tradition in this traditional time of year, since we're recording this just after the holidays, um, we we always kind of figure out what we're going to play next on the show, and the the idea behind this is to kind of prepare you, the listener, for what we're doing, um, and and also you know maybe if you want to play along with us, um, you certainly can, since this is kind of a book club style podcast uh, as well. Um, and, and this time, Paul, I, I had, you know, again, I was kind of wrestling with this decision because I feel like I've thrown some at you that haven't always been like the most successful. And I had this aha moment when I woke up this morning that I was like, oh, I know the answer. Um, it's the answer is clear. It can only be one thing. Um, oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. And Why? it's, well, this is one of those where it's like, you know, when you're trying to figure out like a Christmas gift for somebody and they've, they've already told you and you kind of forgot that they already told you. And then you remember and you're like, Oh yeah. Um, did you get me fruitcake? Yeah, I got you fruitcake. You're going to play a fruitcake. Um, <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> Just plug it is in. It, is, it, is it back compatible? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it, it might be pack com- back compatible, but it is indigestible. So, you know, good luck. Uh, may the force be with you. Um, no, I, Kind of as a program note here on the podcast, I have I've pressed pause on the Twitch stream. Um, So, you know, we've kind of talked about that in the past Um, and and realizing that I don't have the Twitch stream component of it to think about. It meant that there could be only one answer to this question of what I want you to play next. 
uh, because it's a thing that I already just finished playing. It's a thing you literally said you should recommend I play this because I've never played it. Um, I want you to play Super Mario Sunshine. Mario Sunshine. Yep. Okay. All right. Because it it was just released, uh, re-released for the Nintendo Switch as part of a three pack, you know, Mario 3D All Stars. So it had um, Mario 64 in there, had Mario Sunshine, um, and it had uh, the Super Mario Galaxy. Uh, Galaxy. Yeah. The great crime, not including Mario Galaxy 2, I will say. Really? Um, yeah, really. Which, you know, in Galaxy 2, it's not like it was this forgotten sequel. Like a lot of people consider Galaxy 2 the perfection of everything that Galaxy did. So I think Galaxy was a good game, too. Galaxy was a good game. It was. It was. But like Galaxy 2 just felt like, you know, uh, anyway, that's a conversation. for anyway, the, Yeah, that's totally different. <laughs> I've, I've played Galaxy. I've played Galaxy 2. I've played Mario 64. I have never played Mario Sunshine. I am really interested to see what you think about Mario Sunshine. Because are you aware of like where Mario Sunshine sits in the pantheon of of Mario Kingdomness? Like how Delfino Island? Yes. Well, um, and like and like just how people like how fans regard it. It's. I mean, I feel looking back, especially, I feel like there was this window of time. Right, Majora's Mask is in there. Yeah. Um, where, like. It's almost a, a Zelda 2 phenomena where these successful games or, or, or remakes of games, right? So Ocarina of Time and Mario 64 were kind of reboots of those franchises into um, polygonal space, let's say. Yeah. And um, and they were super successful, both of them. Um, you know, genre-defining, genre, genre-definingly successful, console-definingly successful. Yeah. Um, and then the developers were like, well, we could just make another one of those or we could try something different. And, and to great respect, I respect that they tried something different. Um, the same way I, I respect um, Zelda two. While that one is also a very um, uh, polarizing game, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this, this fits in there with something like a Zelda two where, you know, frankly a mario 2 though that's a very different story right where they had something successful and they tried something totally different and half the player base said uh nope and half the player base said yes and half the player base had already moved on to other things Mm -hmm. right i think this came out when i had already got when did this come out when did sunshine come out well i think the fact that you didn't play it also speaks volumes it's in the gamecube era so it would have been i want to say it came out right around like 2002 2003 yeah, so i'm thinking that this is the point where if it's post 2001 yeah 2002 so having already picked up an xbox at that point right i i think uh, i had kind of gamecube had ended life there Mm-hmm. At the uh, when Xbox, the original Xbox came out in uh, what was that Christmas 2001? Um, and so a game like this, like I wasn't going back to the GameCube to play these games, um, which is a short answer, is like a lot of people's experience. Like, uh, you know, again, I, I'm really excited to dive into this one and talk about it because then that, like, this era of video games is a very special era of video games for me because I was a college student in, in 2001. Um, the, one of the first things I did with like the check that I got from working part-time super Mario sunshine. Yeah. Well, it was, it was to buy all of the, the game consoles that I did not have as a, as a kid child. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, my, I, will, I will say, so, um, there is a, a story actually, because I say GameCube, but now I'm realizing that GameCube came out at the same time as Xbox, right? Yeah, they were they um, were competing consoles. Yeah, 
because I had I had wanted for Christmas one of these, you know, at, at that point. And um, my my mother had gone to I think it was a Kmart. Boy, remember Kmart's? Um, and yes. <laughs> do it in a line, right? Remember lines? Remember physical stores? Oh my god! This is this is um, this whole thing is just inundated with member berries at this point. And, and for Lord. Christmas, and for Christmas, had stood in line, and I wanted a GameCube. Um, and she had was in a line at like a midnight release, but they were like, you could only have one ticket for each one or something. I don't know what, yeah. but she ended up like getting a GameCube for my brother and an Xbox for me, um, which was amazing. I mean, the Xbox had not been like hyped at least in my demographic at all. Boy, in hindsight, um, what a, what a weird, uh, like thing that would be between you and your brother, like where it's like, Oh, yeah, I right. wanted that thing. But actually it turns out this is freaking <laughs> <got> Halo. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then I then I proceeded to play nonstop Halo for the next four years. Um, but yeah, that's why I didn't play this game because at that point I didn't have a GameCube. Uh-huh. Um, not that it had been a, a system I already had, and was I had an N sixty four at that point. So yeah, yeah. Well, we Quite can enough. we can go down all of this uh, nostalgia line because I, I mean, like, yeah, again, the GameCube, the, basically this era of video games, the PS two, the original Xbox, and uh, the Nintendo GameCube. Um, was a very special console generation for me personally, um, and and this game fits right in there. So I'm excited for you to jump in and and take a look at you know Mario Sunshine, and really as someone who's never played it, kind of examine it anew, you know, here 20 years later, basically, um, because I, I I think there's a lot of things to talk about, especially with any game that's contentious, um, as as I think Sunshine is, regardless of how you feel about it and which side you you come down on. Um, I think there's a lot there to to uncover. So I'm excited for you to explore Sunshine and uh, figure out what's in the Isle of Delfino and figure out if you can uh, best all of its challenges, which, you know, it's, uh, yeah, like I said, a lot there. So So dig in, enjoy. That'll be on the next edition of the podcast right here. Cool. So, uh, and I think that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Uh, big special thanks to Tombo Fry, who composed our uh, music. Um, we'll try to leave a link to his Bandcamp page uh, in our show notes. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at Missing Save File. We're on Facebook.com slash Missing Save File. Our website is missingsavefile.com. And of course, the most important thing is whichever place you're listening to us, if it is a podcast store, leave us all of the stars, all of the, you know, and then you can type whatever you want to in the comments, but just, you know, thumbs up. You could, you could put in there your favorite Super Mario Sunshine star, right? You still get stars in this one, right? Um, they're shines, but yes, they're oh, still stars, <laughs> but they're shines, Paul. <laughs> well, fine. But just find the name of one of them and put that in an iTunes review or whatever, you know, there you go. Exactly. So no, I'm talking to you, listener, you, you who have not done this yet, <laughs> go do that note to self, make it happen. So until next time, I'm Bernsey and I'm Paul, and we'll see you at the next save point or shine spot. Wait, no, that's a different game. Oh God. Shine spot. No shining spot. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs>